This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is Beyond the Candelabra. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, virtually, the Chiascuro oil-encrusted, baphomet deriding, <laughs> steppenwolf-kicking, sweet-ass, satin-leather-bound ghost of a man, Justin Waddell. How's it going? Quite the intro. Thank you, Nick. I feel like I have a lot to live up to. Always. Now that you said that you said that, um, I'm doing okay. It's Easter. It's Easter Day, Nick. I know this is a big day for you. Uh, you're always out there. You're always you keep talk. You talk about it all year. I uh, get Easter fever. I've almost right? gone to jail three times because of Easter. Because whenever I walk into a Kroger or a Target, yeah, in like January and see the Easter decoration section, I start to masturbate furiously. <laughs> it's like finally a holiday season I can get behind financially. What do you, what do you, what's, what's your favorite? Is it, what's your, what's your favorite Easter candy that doesn't come around any other time of the year? Like, you know, I mean, you can get peeps, but peeps are big around this time. Cadbury eggs. What's the big one for you? Uh, Freakouts. Have you ever had freakouts? No. Yeah. It's like a dime sized bullet. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite are the little, the edible Easter baskets. (laughs) Where yeah. there's, it's like that's that's that that, that uh, straw or that like uh, talk about that grass, the edible grass that's in there. No, just like yeah, any just an Easter ba- basket that's edible. And what I'll do for my kids, I'll put uh, an Easter basket in an Easter basket, and they're confused. Yeah. I put the real one in the edible one. There's crying and everything. It's it's like a Russian nesting doll, except most people that are Easter people wouldn't respect the religious freedom of a Russian. I just say I tell my kids even before. 7 a.m. I, I get up in their face. I said, you've been pranked again on Easter. <laughs> Fell for it again. You know, and they said, you mean the Easter basket, the Easter basket? And I said, no, Jesus, period. That's what I'm talking about. You've been pranked. Oh, you hear the old clock, huh? Mm-hmm. It's a respectable podcast. I decided to record this one at Notre Dame. Hope that doesn't get in the way. <laughs> Did you know that um, I was thinking that what a missed opportunity for us uh, merchand- merchandise wise. What's that? You know, a tie in for our podcast. When the holidays kind of roll around, what's that? Have a, you know, we can have like a, a holiday themed shirt or a holiday themed, I don't know, postcard and just rake in the cash. Yeah. You know, or, or, or just a, a, a peeps that look like us, like us peeps. People get confused and think they were like, what are these US peeps? Are these peeps from around the globe? No, it's us peeps. It's the movie microscope it's boys. Like, what are these 
globular, must like bearded, sort of almost humanoid looking things I'm, I'm enjoying the taste of. That's Justin you're eating. Some marshmallow Justin covered in crystalline skin tones. Yeah. You're, you're at the confection business and you're like, I need skin colors for my peeps. They're like, that's fucking gross. Do they make a beige peep? They probably my, do, my right? My parents did, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Glad, I'm glad it's over. It's one, it's, you know. How's, how how is our store doing? How's the movie microscope merchandise store? How how are we doing? Good. Actually, I mean, if I really, if we did have a merch store, it would be the weirdest stuff. It'd be, I think, it would be things that make other like other gifts work. You know, maybe like wrapping paper or packing foam. Like the, all of our gifts would just be practical. Oh, little Nick and Justin packing foam, <laughs> so we can send things that mean something to people. You think so? Yeah. Why start now? Duct tape, you know? plungers, you know, salami. Sure. Th things that mean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Practical gifts from the movie microscope uh, online store. So what's let's let's pull Christmas out and let's pull Halloween out. Okay. Which holiday is the most ass kicking? Oh man, if you're talking about leftovers. Well, no, I'm thinking <laughs> about like where you actually kind of get a little sparkle in your eye. Here we go. Can't wait for it. I what rolls around. I guess Thanksgiving. Yeah. I, I like I like the food, I guess. Yeah. What about you? I think I like Memorial Day. Okay. Not yeah. because of what it is. I mean, it's yeah. it's it, you know, obviously it's a good thing. It's celebrating well, it's not a good thing, but it's it's a day that everybody can get behind, you know. Right. But I think also the time of year that it takes place, you know, the kids are lucky because they're about to be out of school if they're not already. Sure. The weather's the weather's nice. You know, people don't you typically don't see people polarized as much, you know. Easter, if you if you're a Muslim, Easter don't isn't doing much for you, you know. Right. Thanksgiving, if you're a Scandinavian, I don't know, man. I don't think you're selling it. Halloween, what if you look like shit already? You know, you're not gonna go out dressed up as something that less shitty looking than yourself. That's your day, then. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm hard. That's hard. It's super good. President's Day is dumb. Yeah, I'm gonna go Memorial Day. That's a good one. Co-signed. Um, Co-signed. <laughs> so tell me your relationship with today's story. The movie? Behind the Candelabra? Mm -hmm. I don't have much of a relationship. In fact, I had never seen this movie. Um, I don't know why. I, I think possibly because it debuted on HBO. And sometimes I look down on movies a little bit that debut on HBO. You know, back in the day. Yeah. Like if this hit the theater, I would go see it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you ever get that? Absolutely. Right. Uh, and, and the funny thing is, you think about it, Soderbergh... Douglas Damon, you know, in a movie. And frankly, I mean, that's what we do here is we talk about movies on this show. Yes. It's a movie microscope, right? Mm -hmm. It's a show where we zoom in. We watch a film through mosaics of speed. You know, we caterwaul into the darkness and slowly gestate until we moonwalk across it all, finding the largest things inside ourselves and retrieving them and, you know, looking at them in a, in a binocular eye. And we kind of just look at each other again. You know, until we each find ourselves in each other, uh, in our souls, and then we we figure out what makes a break in a movie unrelated. You know, so if we're talking about a night in the life of Jimmy Reardon, <laughs> we're gonna talk about the scene where Ann Magnuson flirts her ass off with River Phoenix, saying, "You want a good ass time? I could roll you up and put you in my womb, and still have room for you to wiggle out without stretch marks." a direct quote from that movie too with the stumbling we talked Remember about the, the little moments 
that was a movie, by the way, a day in the life of Jimmy Reardon, a bit of a uh, salacious film. Was it one of the first PG 13 movies? Is that what it was? I'm going to say, I'm going to say a a saying that hasn't been said in about 40 years. (laughs) Search me. (laughs) Well, I know there was some controversy surrounding that film. Because he gets laid, right? A lot. <sighs> he gets laid a lot, yeah. And um, no one can resist his charms. You know, River Phoenix obviously was a charming actor anyway. But he had a cool, kind of a cool vibe. I think he was pretty young in that movie, which was probably part of the controversy. But I remember that scene with Ann Manguson. I thought it was kind of hot when I was a kid. I have to watch it again and feel like, feel weird. Who is that Ann Manguson? Magnuson. Magnuson, that's who it is? Episode 211. <laughs> Uh, was that Ed Harris's wife? No, that's Amy Madigan. All right. I got close. The initials. Yeah. Arnon Milshon as well. Same initials. So I just remember that scene struck me as a kid. I thought she was like, he goes over to give her something from his mom. And then do they bang? Yeah. I've not seen this movie, so I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> Let me zoom in. Yes, <laughs> she lets him in her viper room, huh? Oh my god! Yikes! Oh, that's too bad. So anyway, um, yeah, it's been a long time, by the way, since River Phoenix passed. I remember it's been like what ninety two, I think, or something like that. I remember the Chili Peppers did a song about it when they were when they had Dave Navarro. So think back. Did they really? Dave Dave Navarro wasn't a long-lasting member, right? He was only for a few, few years? Uh, yeah, at most. And he replaced the guitarist that everybody loves. What's his name? John Frusciante. He always comes in and out, right? Like he's Right. Well, that's personal, but yeah. But he's in? He's in again? Yeah. I always, I always like it when a band like the Chili Peppers, for example, because I used to like them a lot. Say, we're going to work, we're working on material. And then six years later, still working on that material. And then an album comes out and you're like, this? This is what took seven years. This uh, There's a band called Versus that I used to listen to. They, I think they're sort of still around. I mean, every once in a while. But they had a song about River Phoenix that was really good. I think it's just called River. But it's really it's a really good song. That's a good band, by the way. It's a little movie microscope recommendation. Nick can get behind it, too. Versus. Cool. Well, I mean, if they, if they felt River Phoenix was worth a song. It's actually a good tune. So my relationship with this movie is I saw it once ages ago. Yeah. And I don't remember. I didn't remember how I felt about it. I don't know what it was. Either I was searching around or there was some connected thing and this thing kind of popped into the purview. And I was like, maybe it's time to revisit. Is and it because you want to get like a bead on Soderbergh a little bit? My man is, he's uh, bobbing and weaving in his career. You can't pin him down. I love that about him. I do too. He, he's an, he's he, It feels like his career is an experiment. Sometime guest John McCarrowitz is a huge fan. Always talking about him. Of Soderbergh? Mm-hmm. Didn't he do? Did he do uh, Haywire with us? He did. All mm-hmm. right. That's the only other Soderbergh movie we've done, I think, so far. But and he's done a lot of movies. Zoom in. And he's one of those guys that uh, he says he's going to retire, has second thoughts, keeps working, does TV stuff, does more movies. He's like he's shoot shooting second unit on like I don't know, like Justice League or something. I mean, he's all over the place, right? Yeah. Speaking does, of uh, speaking of shoot shooting second unit, he had a hand in Bill and Ted's the new Bill and Ted's movie, movie. What's this movie about? You asking me? Yeah, just tell 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 the listeners what Behind the Candelabra is about. Well, honestly, I thought it was about 
when before I saw it, I thought it was about Liberace. And in fact, it's not really about Liberace. It is about a young man that Liberace takes under his wing in the late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. late 70s. And uh, they become uh, lovers. Um, they become, what are they? What, what would you call it? Cohabitators? Uh, I don't know. Right. But what do they call that when it's negative? Not cohabitates, but like codependent. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and it's really about this brief period of time in this young man's life where he was hooked up into Liberace, who is this, you know, famous piano player, famous Vegas showman, you know, plugged into his world. And that's what the movie's about. Yeah. A little bit of grooming going on. Yeah, I'd say a little bit. I think this movie what was weird to me, you know, there's a couple things that struck me. Um, it's based on a book written by this guy. What's his name? Tom Scott or Scott, Scott, Scott Thorson. Thorson. Yeah. Scott Thorson. I don't know why I call him Tom played by Matt Damon. And so it really is told from his perspective. Now I think, I think what the Richard Lagravenese, how do you say his name? Lagravenese, I think Fisher King and yeah. a bunch good, of good things. Yeah. Good script writer. I think he obviously puts a little bit more, I don't know how the book, I never read the book obviously, but you know, it certainly, the young man here played by Matt Damon again, doesn't necessarily come off all that great either, but Liberace certainly doesn't. And yeah, you said grooming. Um, I think there's a boogie nights thing kind of going on here too, a, a little bit. What's interesting is Liberace was pretty old when this all went down, but Matt Damon, who's in his forties in this movie, um, is supposed to be playing a very, a lot younger person. Like, I don't know how young it was in his they, early twenties and, and Liberace was 40 years his senior. Yeah, and I think even I think he even started when this kid was eighteen, like when they first met. That's how I would have done it. What do you mean? If I was the lib, oh, you would have you would have gone for the young. If I was Liberace in that scenario, I'm like, yeah, I mean, like eighteen, shit, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't work hard for nothing. Well, that's the thing, you know. He was a closeted gay man, a very famous performer, very flamboyant, obviously, but closeted, and he certainly had an eye for uh, young men. And then he had he'd always his he had a wandering eye, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so he'd kind of use people up. That's what this movie says. He'd use people up and then kind of go for the new. I think, I don't think the, 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 the movie has a really aggressive eye towards Liberace in that respect. I think part of it too is that Scott gets addicted to drugs and kind of goes off the rails himself. Right. And it ceases to be fun. Like they, they basically become an, an old couple. Right. Uh, and I think, I think, really I, I think it's pretty gentle. I think it's pretty do. gentle with, with Liberace. Well, I don't think it's gentle with the Liberace, but I don't think you get to know him that much in this movie. Um, I mean, obviously it's very campy in it and it's critical of both characters, but I'm not exactly sure. I guess what it's trying to do, because I think they they don't spend a whole lot of time on, you know, Liberace is very closeted. And that's something that Matt Damon's character worries about this entire movie is being found out or him being found out. And they don't really talk, speak to that that much in this movie. Like they don't they don't really show the effects of that that much. It's more really about uh, the dynamic between the two characters. And it really is. It could it could be any like kind of almost like famous person tossing aside a young person after they've got what they want, you know, and then moving on. I like um, that it's not a traditional biopic, though, because those do kind of wear themselves out. Yeah, I'd be interested to see why Liberace was interested in making this. Or I'm sorry, Soderbergh <laughs> was interested in making this. I wonder why. You know, I think it's a very well-made movie. It looks really nice. I, honestly, it, just knowing that you, that Michael Douglas and yeah. Matt Damon want to play these roles to me is exciting enough. You know, you said he's experimental. He likes to find ways to excite sure. himself about making a movie. What better way to get excited about a movie than to put those two actors in the position where you've not seen him before? 
Right. You know, it's funny. Last time I, I watched this twice, as I usually do with these things. And the second yeah. time I was watching it, I felt bad that there wasn't one more Oceans movie because I would have loved Michael Douglas to be integrated into that dynamic. Sure. Because he would have been a great adversary. Think about like you went from Andy Garcia to Al Pacino. I mean, Michael Douglas is, is a notch above that. Gordon Gecko himself. It's a yeah. shame that they didn't do one more. I think he would have been a great adversary, but we're not talking about that. So film starts off with a really kind of fun variation on the logo, the HBO logo, really 70s. You get the really glitzy kind of glam music playing. I think it sets a tone pretty fun. I think it, come, I think it kind of hits the ground running pretty well. Yeah, you're introduced to um, Matt Damon's character, who is this kind of innocent, almost farm boy. Like, he's really interested in helping animals. He lives with his foster parents. You know, it's kind of weird because you know that Damon is in his 40s in this, but he actually does look pretty young. They do a pretty good job. Like, he doesn't seem like he's 18 or anything, but he's he seems pretty young. And and his, you know, his his foster parents know that he's gay, or at least they suspect it, and they're very um, protective of him. And when he starts to get kind of um, taken up into Liberace's world, you know, they're very worried about it because they know they kind of suspect that what happens in the movie, right? It's just not going to turn out that way. I forgot to check if that actor was the guy that was in Hangar 18. The dad? Yeah, the, the surrogate dad. Yeah, and I think that was an interesting, you know, they had a few brief scenes in this movie I thought were were pretty interesting. You know, obviously he had a lot of affection for the mother of that, of, you know, his foster mom and she and she him. But I feel like they kind of they forget about that that relationship until you know later when she dies. Yeah, um, he was not, but he was an <laughs> Uncle Buck. Yeah, that guy's a, in a lot of stuff. Actually. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then instant instant love for the film because Scott Bakula is one of the most fun people to look at. <laughs> I mean, he's just so fun to look at. Right. And they film in a mustache and seventies jeans or seventies mm-hmm. pants. He looks fantastic. He does. Yeah, he's kind of the guy that he meets Damon at a bar. Yeah, they, I think I think that's the first the first scene, right? That he mm-hmm. he kind of picks Damon up in a bar, and he's the guy that knows Liberace. He takes him to a, sh- a show in Vegas, kind of introduces him to Liberace, and and then there's like that actor. What's that guy? What's that guy's name? He's a real interesting name. What, what, he's on Thirty Rock. What role is he playing? He plays the the guy that is his protege. Oh, uh, the great name. Billy Leatherwood is the character's name. Yeah, Billy Leatherwood. He's got like Cheyenne or something like that, right? Cheyenne um, Jackson. And he was on 30 Rock. He's actually he's actually a, a gay actor. And that's one of the things that was interesting in this movie, or not interesting, but what did you think that the main roles aren't or, or weren't, aren't played by gay people? That's fine. Yeah. I wondered. I kind of read some about something about that. I wondered if that was any kind of controversial in it. And a little bit was. It shouldn't be. Um, acting, but Cheyenne Jackson plays this character, Billy Leatherwood, like you said, who is a, who is Liberace is kind of takes out on stage. They play together, but this guy's very disgruntled and you don't know why. And he's rolling his eyes. I love uh, that scene where he's in the green room eating while they're And all- then, yeah. And you realize that it's something to do with Matt Damon. Like he's, his, his character is just meeting Liberace for, for the first time. And as you find out in the movie, Billy Leatherwood really is this guy later, right? He is right. He's at the end of his relationship with Liberace. He's about to get cast aside, which the movie makes very apparent later on <laughs> when Matt Damon's doing exactly the same thing in a green room. Yeah. I, I just think it's a fun little scene. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a playfulness that's throughout this movie, even when it gets sort of dark or sort of sad. I, I think mm-hmm. it, I think it's meant to be not a hard hitting 
bio story and i think it helps yeah I, like i said I, w- I would be interested to see what why soderberg was so interested in tackling this well i just happened to have him here on the episode let's reveal him steve soder oh we don't have <laughs> he doesn't give a lot of interviews does he i've i've interviewed him you have i have was he wearing a baseball cap or how, how's he He's bald as a dream was he yeah. married to jules asner really i used to have a super crush used to have a super crush on her and uh, is that any relation to Ed Asner, who was yeah. brought up in this yeah. movie? Yeah, she's his twin sister. Ed Asner is name dropped in this movie. Yes, he is, along with James Jane Fonda when Liberace is ripping their politics. I guess I guess we'll have to find out if Jules Asner is related to. She's um, her, she's the daughter in law of him. Oh, that's what happened. She was married to Matthew. Oh my gosh, she was married to Ed Asner's son, and then kept that name, kept the Asner name, even when she married Soderbergh. She kept Jules Asner. I don't. Soderbergh's even doing Marriage Strange, you know? Well, I mean, st- when Steven, so, uh, Steven Spielberg married Amy Irving, Irving. yeah, she 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 kept her original husband's original name. What's that? Irving? Yeah, Washington Irving. Yeah? Yeah, she's his, uh, his squeeze. Uh, Steven Spielberg threw Amy Irving overboard for Kate Capshaw. Right. Let's just say it out loud. Let's good, just say it. Let's good, just scream it into the air. Good call. You think so? That's an upgrade. I don't know. What movies? We have done more Amy Irving movies on this show than we've done Kate, Kate Capshaw, period. End of story. Arrest my was case. She, was she in The Fury? Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the she, she played Carla Fury in that movie. <laughs> I, let me, let me, let me, uh, we're talking about guys with the same initials, both fantastic filmmakers, right? I'm going to mm. tell you a super secret. Steven Soderbergh and Steven Spielberg. Soderbergh got the hair right. You think so? He he realized early on needs to go. I'm going to cut a, a a more lean figure. I'm going to move through the air better. Spielberg has tried so hard to make people think he's not bald. He's lost that war years ago. Wait a minute. Hold on. Time out. Spielberg is bald. Steven Spielberg wears hats all the time. Because he com- he has hair he's been growing since the 70s to comb over. Are you serious? There's no way Steven Spielberg is rocking a full hair. <laughs> Just type in, is Steven Spielberg bald? I'm going to do it. As a dream. <laughs> I'm going I'm to do it. He has a bald spot. What would you say? On the night he received his Oscar for Schindler's List, he had the makeup artist color in his bald spot. The makeup smeared because he kept patting his head and stroking his face, and that's why he's always wearing a ball cap. I don't know how true that is. Sounds real. It just redirected me to famoustoupays.com, so I don't I don't know what to tell you. Well, that's the thing. Getting back to the movie, Liberace has a wild collection of hair pieces in this. And he, uh, at one point, Matt Damon walks in on him. Uh, has never seen him without his hair. Walks in on him like he's peeping at Darth Vader in that scene without the helmet. Like he sees... He, 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 he goes, Lee? As if he's not sure if that's the same person. Yeah, exactly. You're right. It is like walking in on Darth Vader. Isn't or, it? Or more likely, Anakin Skywalker in his disheveled dormant state. And he's and he's got a towel around his waist. He's looking all ripped out, beaten up by life. It's a great, that's a great moment. But let's go back a little bit. So Yeah, I was going to suggest that as we, well. We pull, we pull Scott into Liberace's life after he... He uses a veterinary trick to help the dog. Uh, well, let's let's even back up further than that. When he's taken to his concert, and old M. Douglas is tickling Dem Ivories, 
yeah as Liberace. that's not him that's his cgi'd head yep atop a real piano he, he's doing the winklevi treatment yeah and he's like um doing the big old toothy grin as he's as he's teasing them keys nick yep as he's what are they what, what do they call that as he's you're right when you said tickling the ivories he's uh expressing the, the anal glands of the piano yeah that's that's what i was going for yeah have you ever had to do that with an with a pet i mean i haven't had to do it <laughs> <laughs> i actually i love his witty banter with the audience there i mean douglas comes out swinging mm-hmm. and there are there are many times in this movie that i didn't see michael douglas as much as i thought i would see michael douglas in that yeah, i mean in this role i think he won awards for this it, you know i think it i think it's an interesting performance because Michael Douglas is kind of famous, famously like wants to be masculine, and you know, like the basic instinct stories were strange. And when he got like plastic surgery to to make himself look younger and Mission make accomplished, sure his, make sure his his butt was up to snuff. I'm maybe I'm not describing someone that's that's completely masculine. I guess that's not that's the that's, that's just a human trait wanting to look younger and stuff. But, um. I you know he 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 definitely has an easier performance I think in a way than Matt Damon does because Liberace was very flamboyant and he's and he had a very distinctive voice right so it's it's hard to play too big because he he just was so he was such a larger than life character but Michael Douglas does a good job he he seems like he seems like Liberace you know <laughs> man I'm not I'm not sure that the script is that deep though that's when so they knew the that the screen. Fine. That's what they knew. The screen test was uh, was greenlit. He Why? seemed he seems like Liberace. That's what Soderbergh said. Done. Let's, mean, go, let's let's start shooting. I mean, Soderbergh wanted him as Liberace from a for a long time. They had talked about this. I don't Robert, know. When. Robin Williams was one of the guys that was up for it. So originally, this was going to be yeah, uh, Robin Williams and uh, Justin Timberlake movie. You know, Robin Williams would have done a great job, I think, as Liberace. Uh, maybe. And then for a while, they had uh, Tom Everett Scott and Billy Drago. <laughs> Billy Drago would have been amazing as Liberace. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he would have been. Think about it for one second and realize that you just spoke the fucking truth to the universe. That is a missed opportunity. You shouldn't have said it. Yeah, that's true. I fucked up. You might. You shouldn't have said it because whatever supreme being might have heard that and just have to hit the reset button. You know, well, that's it's worth it. I mean, I would not mind unexisting instantly because something like that happened. Me too. Yeah, I like the idea of uh, the Infinity Gauntlet was real. You know, that's and instead of all that other nonsense, you just snap Billy Drago into Liberace. (laughs) Worth deep pull. Worth worth hunting down all those those gems. What Um, about when Matt Damon they're sitting in the sauna or whatever the hot tub? Not the sauna, the hot tub. And Matt Damon's given Liberace a sob story about how he grew up an orphan. It's very long speech mm-hmm. about how he was, you know, grew up an orphan, had such hard times, you know, went through many foster homes, and Liberace does not care. <laughs> he says, "Well, that story had everything, but the there was a fire in the orphanage, right? Like after the big, you know, because all he really wants to do is mm-hmm. get his staples staples into Matt Damon's." paper you know what i'm talking about <laughs> or the other way around yeah so it's funny because damon do you remember do you remember his dog's name that matt damon comes to the rescue of 
No, it's like Baby or something. I can't remember. Baby Boy. Baby Boy? Yeah, Baby Boy's got cataracts and Matt Damon's got the cure. And so he decides to fly Mr. Matt Damon to his lair, I mean, his uh, house um, to help because he's such a help. And as you typically do, like, remember when we first met, like, you were on the Chud message boards and I said, why don't you come over to my house and we'll get in a hot tub together? (laughs) Mm. So that's what's that's what Matt Damon or uh, Scott is is surprised to find out through uh, Scott Bakula's character. He says, Bob. so Bob, um, he says, as they're watching the performance, he says, wow, it's it's so interesting that so many people are this excited to see a, you know, a gay performer. And Bob says, nobody knows he's gay. And you he's know? right. It's funny because the world really did not. They weren't willing to embrace that on a. Rock Hudson was sort of the the watershed moment for a lot of that. You know, it's kind of like the Richard Simmons thing too. It's almost like you people suspect like they they're they're like they 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 love this figure, but then since they love this person so much, they can't they have to just believe that they're not gay or something. You know, it's because it's like that that goes against their beliefs, but they still love the person. Like, there's no way that you know Liberace was like not only what what was he. He, he had someone like an agent or somebody that would just always like be saying, Oh, he, he just hadn't found the right, the right woman. Well, he was That's always attached to down. different people in, in the gossip rags or whatever, but yeah. Sandy Henny or something is one of them. Yeah. And I hated the way Michael Douglas pronounced her name in this movie. Um, <laughs> no, like and, and you know, what's also amazing is, uh, okay. So, when he goes and shares the jacuzzi, that's basically when he's already accepted the job and that, it's so funny. That's when it's like he wakes up but, the next morning. I know it. Well, what I was going to say is Liberace is hiding in plain sight, really, where a lot of people who are closeted or who are closeted, who are, they are actually taking great pains to, to hide who they really are. And, you know, Liberace is just, he's, he's basically made a career out of being gay, but then just kind of half, half-assed his agent's like oh he's not gay don't worry guys you know yeah oh he's got this woman in uh canada he likes or something like that you know speaking of kate capshaw right mm-hmm. could have easily just have her say this Liberace's a really small guy <laughs> so close to narachi so close so anyway go ahead so- no i was gonna say so well first of all we meet our his house boy carlucci mm-hmm. who is one of my favorite characters in this movie <laughs> he's so I love him. I love his him. name is the best. Yeah, it's Carlucci. And he, and he, he's, I love that guy. He's so funny in this. He's got, he's got, he's very sly. Shows a little, he leans over, he gives a little butt, and then he offers a pig in a blanket. So cute. Yeah. Such fun. But anyway, so Damon's in the hot tub. Next thing you know, they're getting ready for bed and he's nervous. Mm. And right. then, like, like Dracula, like when Oldman like surprises up to his guest in, in the Dracula movie. Right. That's what, that's what, Liberace does to Matt Damon. Matt's looking out the window. All of a sudden, Liberace Dracula is up to him. He's like, he's like "I promise, I'm not gonna, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna go onto your side of the bed." And he and he he owns that. He owns up to that too. He does not. But the mm. the next scene is is our is our boy Scott waking up in the morning and turning over, and the staring effigy of Liberace is right there in the bed. Mm. One of the scariest things I've seen. So that's. Maybe what you, why I was saying that this movie was found problematic by some, you know, um, is that they do kind of build Liberace into a leering, not a monstrous figure, but certainly, a, certainly a, 
uncomfortable person, right? You know, Matt Damon, you know, it is from this character's perspective. He goes to, and you know, to sleep with, you know, Liberace kind of like, I, you know, this is going too fast for me. And Liberace's like, look, we'll just, we'll play it cool in bed. Like any dude in history has done to a man or a woman in that position. Like, oh, no, no, it'll be cool. And then, you know, it certainly puts the move on Matt Damon's character in the morning. Um, but gives him a blowy gives him a blowy, but certainly Soderbergh plays that as a, <laughs> that, you know, this Liberace is a creep, right? And, and, uh, he's horny, Matt Damon, huh? He's horny. Well, he's a, he's a horny old man. And he, at one point, Matt Damon says, how do you stay hard? Like we had sex four times. How do you stay hard this, this much? I have that quote he, right here. I'm looking at it. And he says, because I've. I have some mechanics or some shit in my junk. He doesn't use the, those exact words. Another Darth Vader reference. <laughs> but he uh, he loves having sex, but when the equipment don't work anymore, yeah, he, he needs a, a little extra. He has a battery of medications that he also takes to keep it. No, it's it's made quite clear in this movie that Matt Damon is the one that is um, is putting the screws to Liberace, not the other way around. So I don't know. I guess in this relationship, at least Liberace is not getting to use. He, he's a bottom. A, yeah, he's definitely a bottom. So, um, which is a point of contention in their relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you and get? What a, wouldn't it be? Did you, you know? get a, an Elliot Gould vibe from Dan Aykroyd in this movie? Just because the big glasses, everything. It just seemed like he was playing Elliot Gould. I don't know. I like Dan Aykroyd though. I'm oh, glad I love he yeah. Shows up. Yeah. And then he uh, plays. <laughs> He has that great seat. He he's definitely the guy that is he. There's a lot of people making a living living off of Liberace, and they're always annoyed when this new hot young thing comes into Liberace's life. They all have to reset and prepare for the end. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I love the fact that um, Liberace reveals that he lost his virginity to a Green Bay Packer. I thought that was a cute sly little line of dialogue yeah he says that to matt damon later then his book comes out much later and he says he loses his virginity to an older woman and which... do, you, do you remember her name no b haven <laughs> that was a... <laughs> b-e-a haven yeah b haven like a halo name <laughs> it's like could he's it's like, that's a, that is the if they were to ever assign a name to my quote unquote girlfriend in canada mm-hmm. it would be b haven so, so whenever, you know, they start their affair, you know, they're having sex a lot. They're, they're whining, you know, Liberace's whining and dining, dining his new, uh, his new, um, young, young lover and, you know, dressing him up in furs and giving him jewels and taking him around town. At one point after a session of lovemaking, Matt Damon is laying in these pillows in this ornate bed. And he is so tucked down in those pillows. Did you notice the scene? <laughs> yes. He just looks so just like sunk into pillows. Like, and he's acting from that position, which is such a strange. <laughs> it's like someone, it's like God punched him into the bed and he's yeah. just, you know, he's just resting <laughs> and just not moving. He's just sunk into those pillows. You know, Douglas has an easier time with pillows in this movie than Matt Damon. I will say that. I will zoom in that hard. Okay. Sounds good. He's a better pillow actor. Yeah. Well, you and McGregor is better than both of them. Because <laughs> of <laughs> pillow book. 
Is that the movie where he Dicks. somebody tattoos his dick? Yep. Yep. One thing about Mac, you and McGregor, who just turned fifty, happy birthday, E M. I think not he, afraid, I, not afraid to get his penis out on screen. Not in the least. As a matter of fact, uh, he tried to get you know Ben Kenobi out there once. Did he? It's like, can I be? Can I just be like stroking this giant thing, um, mm-hmm. like w- with the younglings? Just you know, they're like, no, no. I'll say this about Ewan. I think he looks better now than he ever has. You think so? I think he. I think he's he's gr- he's grown into his age. I will Fantastic. say he looks the same. Like, he looks the same. No, actually, it's funny. I, I, I mean, you rewatch Shallow Grave, and he looks like a scumbag, like just some snotty young guy. He looks like he's a, supposed to a gentleman now. Um, what about what about his sexy sold sexy soldier boy chauffeur outfit that that Liberace decks him out in? Yeah, he looks like a kind of a cross between the Nutcracker, like a like I, a I get it. soldier soldier from the Nutcracker. Nutcracker and like Sergeant Peppers or something. Yeah, he looks very flamboyant. He's driving this. What is it, like a? It's like a, a limo or something. It's like a glittery limo, shallow, you know, chariot. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's like a part of the show. He's part of the show now. Um, and he, you know, Liberace also wants to make him over in his image. He wants to because Liberace's getting plastic surgery um, to look younger, and he wants Matt Damon to get to make him look like Liberace. Well, I love it because this whole thing comes to a head. There's a scene where Matt Damon is eating popcorn on the couch and Doug yep. is stroking his legs. As his hairy they, legs. As Matt Damon watch, has some hairy legs. As they watch Johnny Carson. Exactly. And it's revelatory for Liberace because he sees how he looks now and he doesn't like how he's aging. So he decides right. to get super plastic surgery. Well, I know, and this is the thing is that Matt, you mentioned he's laying on the couch eating popcorn out of a bowl that's positioned on his chest. That is dangerous. I will say that is a choking hazard. That is don't, a, it a cho- don't do that. It may and then be- I found out that Soderbergh, I was like, Soderbergh's a fucking nut. Like, it's like, you don't want to do this shit. They actually CGI'd that bowl of popcorn uh, onto his chest and the popcorn. Like, he wasn't really eating anything, it was all green screen and. Yeah. Tennis balls. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That ball was huge and weird. Mm. Um, but right before that, we get to see a really cool moment. We get to see the one and only legendary Michael Douglas picking up some dog shit. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, his dog, that was a quite a sizable piece of poop for those little. Well, it was forced perspective, if you notice, the way they shot it. Isn't no, that- I thought so, too. It's not. That was That was a gigantic, huge piece of shit. <laughs> Um, the turd in the foreground is like a big time literary thing that um, that 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 Soderbergh loves to mimic. It's really nice to see Michael Douglas picking up shit. It's something I didn't know I needed. He does that every time he picks up Catherine Zeta from work. What <laughs> did I just slam? C J Z. You did it. Well, I'm sorry. C Z J. Catherine Zeta Jones. Damn you, it. You didn't slam her because I love the idea you thought she still works. <laughs> Does she not? I don't think so. Douglas, by the way, promoting this movie made sure to because he, he was talking about um I think around the same time he was promoting this, or was it before he did this? Actually, they put this off because he got cancer, right? Yeah, he got cancer before it for sure. But his theory about why he got cancer is a little it's a little bit 
nuts. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Remind remind the listeners. So he, and now I'm not saying it's not true. Who knows? But he was he kind of blamed his wife or the other ladies in his his uh, long history as a as the world's uh, biggest lover. He got throat cancer from going down on ladies from what is it, HPV? He said. Doctor probably is in there listening to this, going, I, I mean, possibly, you know. No, I think it's true, Doc. He was eating Harry Potter's vagina. (laughs) 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 Doctor's like, you got throat cancer, Michael Douglas. I can only assume it's because you're such a fair and just lover in the bedroom. We found different colored pubes attached to the cells. Anyway, it's a wild theory. <laughs> and he made sure to say it out loud for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he got uh, Catherine Zeta Jones to apologize in a press conference. Yeah. For giving him cancer, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, he did. She yeah. did. She, she's like, I'm sorry. He made him make it. Um, what do you think of Mr. Rob Lowe in this? Plays a plastic surgeon uh, based on a true character, and he is definitely, it's close to parody of someone who's had a lot of work done. You know, certainly he can almost barely see. His eyes kind of aren't open, and they're certainly not looking the same way. Like, his eyes are kind of going in different directions. He looks looks very suntanned, and it's a ridiculous look. It's hilarious. It's, I love him. I love him so much. That's why I'm wondering, what is Soderbergh going for in this movie? You know, what's going on? Well, there's definitely a Boogie Nights thing going on throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't know... Boogie Nights also kind of bounces around with its tone, too. I did not like watching plastic surgery, even though it was fake. That's gross. I put that as well. It is... We did not need to see the plastic surgery close-ups. I mean, they cut... I never really thought about how they do it. I always thought it was like a gentle procedure for some reason. I mean, obviously I'm dumb, but they're really getting in there with the knives and the slits and the cuts and the putting Matt Damon wants a dimple in his chin. They put some kind of ball bearing in there. I don't know what happens. A silicone ball. Yeah. I, unfortunately back in the early nineties when that whole traces of death faces, of faces death, of death. well, no, yeah. there was one called traces of death, which is even worse. Good. One of the things on one of those those shock videos was a plastic plastic surgery, and it was one of the hardest things. Oh, it was a sex change. It's one of the hardest things to watch. I don't. I cannot believe I put my young eyes. Why did you it. watch it? Because it was one of those things. All the guys that you know, we had like three guys that lived in this ha- in this apartment, mm-hmm. and one of the guys was all into that shit, and he would make us watch it with him. What a, what a weirdo! Yeah. Well, I never. I thought Faces of Death was supposed to be fake. The Faces of Death. Some of it was fake. Traces of Death had like that. Uh, like the, 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 the senator or whatever, that politician who killed himself and terrorist attacks and it had other stuff. It was so hard. Why do they call it traces of death? Because they didn't want to get sued by faces of death. Traces. I never heard of it. It's rough. It was rough. Mm. Um, Debbie Reynolds so, plays his mom and it's her last role. I love her in this. I do too. She's great in it and she actually gives a pretty good performance. I didn't know it was her. I didn't either. Doesn't she, look she's under like prosthetics. To, you know, everybody kind of is under prosthetics in this movie. Matt Damon later obviously gets plastic surgery. They kind of put him in. He gets like a 
a bigger nose. He, I guess that's something Soderbergh likes to do with Matt Damon is mess around with his nose, yeah, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, Debbie Reynolds is great. Yeah, she plays Liberace's mom. A Polish and, lady. Uh, and she is kind of there to, like everybody else, sponge off Liberace, this money-making machine. See, I didn't get then, that. I didn't get that. I got that she was sort of like one of the few things in his life that was sort of real that he kind of kept at arm's length. No, I, maybe it's not like she was an evil, came off as like an evil figure, but she certainly at one point, remember he had the slot machines set up in his apartment. She wins and they don't have any, they're empty and she wins big. And so she's like, she, they try to give her a few bucks and she's like, I'll take a check. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, but that's not her being money hungry. She's, and then when she dies, he says, I'm free. Yeah. Well, so she probably because she knew who he really was. Um, Maybe the scene where he's sleeping with his eyes open is also a cute little moment with the plastic surgery stuff. And that cute. uh, Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, yeah, he, he, uh, that is kind of horrifying. It's played for a laugh. It is played for a laugh, but it's like he, he, after plastic surgery, asked Roblo's character, who's obviously. You know, a, a, not a very ethical doctor. He goes, "Am I going to be able to close my eyes?" And Roblo said, "Not completely." You know, it's great. Forgot forgot to tell you that before <laughs> this procedure is done. Yeah, um, I think Roblo said he was worried about his performance in this. He ended up winning some awards for it, but I, I think he's kind of right to worry. I, I, it's not. It's interesting the performance, but it does certainly it is the car- most cartoonish thing in this movie. That's that's why I like it. I think it's it's, yeah. it's just fun to see, and they got the right actor for that because Rob Lowe's one of those eternally young characters, people in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, who comes in to play the Thomas Jane character in this movie? Nicky Cat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me, he's not Thomas Jane from Boogie Nights in this thing. He is one of my favorite kind of character actors that's just not around anymore. He must have retired or something. He's just gone. But, you know, Soderbergh, even after before this movie, he wasn't working that much, but Soderbergh called him back up. Um, Nicky Cat from Way of the Gun, from The Limey. His, his performance in The Limey is incredible. Boiler like Room, time to, time to Kill. Um, yeah, and he shows up a little bit, like, he's, wasn't he in, like, a, The Dark Knight for a second? Like, he'll show up dazed and confused. Um, but anyway, yeah, he shows up as a... You know, Matt Damon's character, you know, Scott gets really hooked on drugs after Rob Lowe puts him on the California diet to lose weight. And he just gets really addicted to, uh, you know, obviously prescription drugs, but then cocaine and all this stuff. And Nikki Cat is uh, a drug dealer, I guess. Right. He must yeah, be a drug dealer. Amongst other things. Yeah. Mr. Y, I think is his name. But he becomes kind of a. A sounding board for Matt Damon, who is certainly being elbowed to the side when a fresh new thing comes into view, played by Boyd Holbrook. My boy. Yeah. Did we just talk he's, about him? He's kind of one of those guys that hasn't, has he really made his mark yet? I know he's in Narcos. Showed up in Predator as the Predators, as, or is it Predator? The Predator yeah. as the lead, I think. Yep. He's got something else cooking. I like him. He's fine. And he repla- he kind of replaces Matt Damon. But Nikki Cat has a re- some really good lines in this, and I, I wonder if he he just he's always just so sarcastic and has a very interesting delivery. 
Anyway, let me, I'm going to go through mine. They mentioned a Jim Neighbors Dom DeLuise concert in this dream concert. That's the tr- it is a dream concert. And they reveal that Matt Damon's fur is made out of virgin white fox. Hell virgin. yeah. Yeah. What does that they mean? Young. Yeah. I guess that means they got him young, right? They do mention Charo. Uh-huh. And that's who we did just talk that's about. That's right. So, Mike, one of the sticking points in this is Michael Douglas. And I thought this was interesting and kind of odd is that Michael Douglas or Liberace is really into watching gay porn. And Matt Damon reveals that he's just sickened by that kind of stuff. And he's sickened by he doesn't want ever anybody ever to have sex with him. Like to he doesn't want to ever be the bottom. Right. And then he also says he keeps proclaiming that he's bisexual. Yeah. And at one point, Michael Douglas says, uh, or Liberace says, which half? I haven't met that half yet. <laughs> <laughs> Which half of you is bisexual? Um, so obviously, I think it's interesting that he is, in a way, maybe not accepted, not accepting of his of his of himself, which makes sense. But at the same time, um, seems a little bit, I don't know, unrealistic in a way. I don't know. Yeah, walk a mile in his shoes. So that sends Michael Douglas to you know, obviously seek other pleasures. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things, you know, they were together, you know, a good long time and the spark died. Yeah, four and, years, I think. Like yeah, four years, maybe. It's a lifetime. And they actually talk about how gay people's time is different than regular people's time in this movie, which I thought was kind of funny. In gay years and stuff like that. So finally, things come to a head. He melts down. The drugs kind of get the best of him. Their relationship falters. Mm-hmm. And he is, he becomes the, the scorned lover. And then we get to see. He does, yeah. Tantrum, Michael Douglas major tantrum. Well, he screams at one point because I can't, I can get it up. He's being accused of, of not being able to even have sex anymore because he, because he's so whacked out on drugs. You know what other movie had that? Huh. Buggy Nights. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Oh, is he right? Yeah, yeah. He could not get it up because of his drugs and mm-hmm. arguing about his dick. And then you know Matt Damon's pawning all Liberace's jewelry to pay for drugs. Yeah. And he's really just has a he has a. You know, he collapses like he he's the scorned lover. He's looking for money. He's he's not himself. That's kind of what the movie shows is this innocent kid. Obviously, he got caught up in this world, no longer himself. And then when he's finally away from everything, he works at a mailbox place. He he returns to his, you know, good self. Yeah, his, he starts his, wearing Lee, Levi jeans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not. Um, he, he, he doesn't have fair faucet hair anymore. It's a shame. He's just kind of trying to live his life, and he's not in these a swanky palatial estate anymore. He's living in an apartment, and this is right as the as the AIDS specter started to kind of mm-hmm. fall over Hollywood. And there's in in the latter parts of the movie, um, he's at his mailbox place that he works at, and there is a a, a publication uh, a newspaper, and the headline is about Rock Hudson dying of AIDS, right, and. For some crazy reason, Soderbergh is playing the most whimsical music during that reveal. Really? Yeah, it's like, this is the AIDS death reveal music, and it's so whimsical and perky. It's like, uh, maybe not the right time. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's very, like, all of a sudden, you know, he puts a headline in about AIDS, and then Liberace's calling Matt Damon saying, I'm sick, are you okay? You know, saying basically I have AIDS, so... um and like that, I said, I think this movie is, I, I know you like it. I don't dislike it. I think, I think there's some missed opportunity here. I'm not exactly sure the place it's coming from, like what it really wants to be doing. Um, 
Like I, I think Matt Damon's performance is pretty good, actually. Um, but I'm not saying it would, you know, could have been better, maybe played by someone a little different, someone younger, obviously. <laughs> this movie exists because those two guys are in it, though. I know it does. I know, and it couldn't get made. I think. Well, big, Billy Drago wasn't around, so that was the big thing. It was like that was kind of like these two guys are gonna play these, you know, th- these two gay characters. How brave of them! That was kind of part of the story. You know, if they would have done this ten years earlier, it would have ruined their careers. You know, something like that. Um, um, I do like two things at the end there. When well, uh, one of them is Paul Reiser. Yeah, he's. It's good to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when when Liberace finally does leave the world, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of a press conference outside of his his estate. Right. And did you notice the translation? Mm-mm. So there's a doorway, and on the left side it says Casa de la Liberace, and then on the right side of the door it says casa of liberace so oh, yeah thanks thanks for the help thanks for the translation and then the other thing is dan Aykroyd's character insists that he did not die of aids but rather what watermelon diet <laughs> a fucking watermelon diet that which would kill you i imagine that does sound like a harrowing yeah he is uh he yeah he he uh because you know and it does sound like something someone would do to lose weight i'm just gonna eat watermelon <laughs> You know, and then you pay the ultimate price. You 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 do lose weight. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, you go straight to the grave hole. Yeah, but you know that's another thing is that the press is very adamant because they suspect that this watermelon diet excuse isn't clear, and so they investigate. This must have been a big deal back then because it looked like his people were really pushing against it. But like the the state or whoever the government whatever wanted to do an autopsy. Mm-hmm. And then they came out, they said that he died from complications of AIDS. You know, something that Liberace obviously would wanted to keep secret. Yeah. So, um, I mean, to their credit, the, the watermelon diet um, thing did work with JFK. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. He just ate a lot of watermelon really quickly in Dealey Plaza. So, you know, we skipped around, but like there's something that happens at the end of this movie that is so incredible to me is that Matt Damon, like, so Liberace and Matt Damon are on the outs. And then, you know, Scott or Matt Damon's character, his his foster mom dies and he has to go home to her funeral. Liberace is very sympathetic, said, I'll put you on a jet. You don't have to worry about it. And he and Matt Damon gets very emotional because they had been fighting a lot. They haven't been talking. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a nice scene. And then um, <laughs> they show him coming back from the funeral. And there is a station wagon waiting at this private jet. And it is <laughs> it has a piano key pattern or yeah. style. Yeah, you see that in his driveway earlier in the movie too. It's incredible. I didn't notice it before. It is this white station wagon with, uh, you know, I don't know, like piano keys painted all over it. Yep. It's incredible. Yeah. It's like an amazing, that would have been a lovely car to, to step into. Fuck. Yeah. So I liked it. I thought it was fun. Especially um, if you get, especially if Tom Hanks jumped on it real quick and started. That, that's dumb. Reprising his big performance. That's a dumb scene in a dumb movie. I don't remember if you remember that scene in Big. His character, I think his character's name was Scott as well. No, right? it was Josh Baskin. Uh, I think it was Scott Baskin. <laughs> and maybe his was his friend's name Scott. I, I don't know. I just remember is, I hated his name when in the. 80s. Is there a Scott in Big, Nick? <laughs> Tell me there is. I'm sure there is. Anyway, so he is a kid. I don't know if you remember this. His kid. <laughs> makes a wish this little kid like a 13 year old kid makes a wish to be big and i wish my name was scott 
<laughs> and and the, the, as it would happen, he wakes up and he and he's Tom Hanks and he goes to the bathroom and he looks. The first thing he does, he looks down his pants. It's like Jesus. He check on. Yeah. He checks on his peep. It's like I am fucking wrapped up here. I am. I am packing pounds. And he said, the kid turns the camera, or Tom Hanks turns the camera and go, the one thing that didn't grow, <laughs> slams himself. Yeah. Um, but then he has sex with Elizabeth Perkins. Do you remember all this? Yeah. And at one point, they go to a toy store with Robert Loggia. Of course. And they're dancing across this key, yeah. this keyboard, this piano key. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah. And do um, you remember this? Yeah. And it's like a floor keyboard. FAO Schwartz lost their shit for, for a few years because of that. Like they were killing it, selling those rolled up pianos for the floor. So you do remember that scene. Yeah. I don't mean to bring something out yeah. that's just so unremembered. The thing I don't like about the end of Big mm -hmm. is when he gets turned back into a little kid and he goes to that crossroads. <laughs> then he decides to fuck an artist. <laughs> what song do they play on that floor that floor piano do you remember chopsticks i don't think so was it in the god of the vita is that what it was it's one <laughs> of the two <laughs> we should meme that and just it'd be so funny you know just to put different songs and chopsticks over it is it chopsticks i'm looking it up let's book some bookmark how could it not be it has to be chopsticks because he plays it with robert loggia so they have to play something together they play heart That's and soul and chopsticks Oh, they play two. Unfortunately, it's not the because she's hot and so bum 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 bum. She's got it all. Hot loving every night. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Look, Huey Lewis, Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> Do you know that Huey Lewis, I think, is still around with the news? I think he's having trouble singing. I think he has something going on with his vocals. Is it from showing his dick in shortcuts? <sighs> I used to come out of the bathroom because I flushed the bowl. Bump, 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 bump. Did you really? Absolutely, I did. <laughs> what well, is that? All the lyrics you had? Did you I'm, have more? I'm sure there was more. It was very scatological. So, uh, so let me, I just want to back up a little bit. You do remember that scene from Big, <laughs> right? Is that Zoltar? Right? Is that his name? <laughs> Is it Zoltar or Zoltan? It could it's, be either, Zoltar. it's either Zoltar. Zoltar. Or, it's either Zoltar or Scott. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, having sex with Elizabeth Perkins. Mm -hmm. Remember, he turns into a child at the end and she sees this. Yeah. Walking around in big man clothes. Remember, he goes back. Yeah. But he still got she's some not horrified. She's somehow not horrified. He still walk around with some of her musk on his parts, though. That's a that's a given. Yeah, yeah. And he goes home, and his mom's so happy to see him because he's not dead, not kidnapped. Yeah. Remember, he's playing a video game at the start of that movie that looked really cool. Like they made the video game for the movie. It's one of those things that you wish was real because it looks so cool. What episode do you want to do big? <laughs> That's where this all is leading. I don't know. Penny Marshall movie. We'll do, we'll do 212. Yeah. We'll do back to backs. Yeah. <laughs> so look, let's do the work. You're in a tattoo parlor, man. That humming needle is humming. Buzzins is buzzins. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's got a motif. Mm -hmm. You know, the guy in the, the guy in the chair, little Liberace looking. It's got glitter up and down. 
Yeah. So you know that when you get this work done, he's going to take care of you. So what do you get from uh, behind the candelabra on your person? Oof. Mine's easy. I've got, you know, the, the scene in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark where Indy is at the idol and he's about to exchange the sandbag. You know, he's like, he's up there at the idol, the light's shining down on it. I don't remember this. Okay. So Liberace is, is, is Indy in this, in this scenario. He's got, yeah, he's got the hat. It's bespeckled. He's got the bullwhip and he uses it differently than Indy might. Um, and, and, and on the, uh, on the platform, instead of the idol is baby boy's poo. <laughs> yeah. He's about to swap. Well, I would say that swap it it's out. Not, not for sure. It's baby boy's poo. He does have other dogs that Soderbergh. Every time they're in Liberace's house, you hear these yipping dogs in the background. You hear these barking dogs. Like, do you, you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. Constantly just these badly behaved dogs just, you know, reminding you that they're in some other room in the castle. Mm-hmm. His, his very ornate estate. We didn't talk a lot about how yeah. ridiculous. Well, he used to make three, he would make $300,000 a week at one point. In, at his peak. Speaking of, let me take a little trip down memory lane. When I was about 13 years old, mm-hmm. uh, my parents had a, a gay couple for, that were friends of the family that they would, we would, they lived in the city. We go see them a lot and hang out and they would play card game. They'd play like Pinochle or whatever they would play mm-hmm. and they'd bring me and we'd have dinner and then I'd go into, onto their bed. These, these two yeah. guys, I'd go into these two guys' bed and watch TV and watch movies while they played. Oh, P- while your parents like hung out. They're playing Pinochle or, you know, playing mm-hmm. whatever the gambling card game that they were playing. And I remember, I this is so vivid. It's like I watched The Wizard of Oz on a gay couple's bed in the 80s. <laughs> and I remember distinctly, and, and, and this may be why I've, I've, I guess I, I was ingratiated perfectly into that culture because it was, it was so normal, it was so natural. And we were at dinner. I was 13 or 14 years old. We're sitting there eating dinner. And there was mm-hmm. some sort of a, a comment that was made uh, like so to, uh, about something. And Frank, this guy's name was Frank, he posited, well, if I were a man, I would. And that was like, yeah. And, and it was just so funny how not, like he just said it. And it wasn't a yeah. joke. And it was just one of those things that kind of sucked me. So it's just so funny that I sat in the 80s on a on these dudes' bed watching Wizard of Oz of all movies <laughs> while they played fucking hardcore card games with my parents. Pretty badass. Your parents were huge gamers. They love games. But yeah, we used to. And they pass it on to you, obviously. Yeah. But they, they, I didn't. So they, they were. I they both love games. I, I didn't know where you were going with this after I said that they were playing with these gay guys. Like, Your parents were huge gay swingers. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Um, would you ever keep up with this couple? Do you know what they're doing these uh, days? They, it was Frank and Tony. I know that sounds so generic. Mm-hmm. They were Frank worked at the at my mom. She worked at like a tax place or whatever. Uh, after they split up, no, no. I just remember oh, they, Frank they split up. Frank was one of those guys that was immaculate, really shiny, yeah, overly just overly manicured, really, really like like it looked like he was auditioning for the cover of a magazine or whatever. Oh yeah, uh, and he had a huge head, huge, giant head, a big yeah, big melon. Last time I okay. saw him was on Easter Island. No, but I don't keep. I didn't keep up with him. He is. There's no way he's alive anymore. Oh, really? Were they pretty old? Yeah, they were older. Yeah, you never know. I know his last name. I'm not going to put it on here, but yeah, his last name was, was Gay. No, uh, oh, well, no. All right, so uh, tattoo. So I would. I'd go the different. I would. There'd be a man 
I just tattoo a man like to my arm. Like where you're going. And big clothes. Like his, like he's a small head. You talk about big head. He has like a small head. And then his suit, like he has like a clothes that look just way too big for him. Like he's got like padding underneath. And then to his person, he's got three dogs attached to each arm and then one to his bell. Then there's little arrow points to each of them with their names, the dog's names, Bullet, Cannibal, and Rowdy. That's right, from the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Painted yeah. with uh, with fake uh, drool, right? Fake drool, yeah, sticky, to make them look a lot more threatening Wasn't than that they are. Wasn't that Sutherland's name in lockup? What? Fake drool? No. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it starts off where Matt Damon's kind of on a movie or TV set or movie set, yeah. and he's he has these dogs that he, and he, he's kind of a dog wrangler, and they're they're they have one take to attack this man. Um, Eddie Jemison, Eddie Jemison in that scene, and they and Matt Damon like hits the parts of the guy's body that he wants the dogs to bite, which I thought was interesting. And then right in big letters underneath, I put from beyond the behind the candelabra. <laughs> yeah. All right. So look, I did not expect the movie to start out that way. By yeah, the way. I love it. it, it the, there was a, the overhead shot looks just like a scene from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, all right. So you're in the movie. You're in behind the candelabra. Yes. What do you what's happening? <laughs> How old were we when this movie? This movie starts in 77. We were five. Yeah. Yeah. We could play ourselves. I'm another houseboy at at at, at, at Liberace's pad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gross though, and I look awful in tight clothes. So I stay in the pool closet with all the inflatables, and and they'll, they'll be out there lounging or making babies in the pool or whatever they do. Mm-hmm. They hear the sobbing coming out of the pool closet, you know. And then I'll squeeze yeah. I'll squeeze the inner tubes, make them squeak in there, just to remind them I'm out there because I'm starving. Make mm-hmm. them squelch. It's not enough. Just never enough. And then so what I do is I wait till they're gone from the pool from all their stuff. And I'll go and I'll open up the pool filter and just take the Japanese beetles out and eat them. Cause that's all I can feed myself with. Cause I'm gross to look at. <laughs> and I'm super gross. The thing is though, mm-hmm. as luck would have it, Japanese beetles are loaded with trans fats. So oh so I'm trying to get healthy and lean and I'm getting worse. So I'm just I'm just slothing it up in that pool in the pool closet, hanging out with the the smelly rubber inner tubes and shit. Oh, Japanese beetles! I was thinking you're talking about like a Japanese version of the beetles. I get I get what you're talking about yeah. now. I'm trying to think of who would be Ringo and all that. What's the different? It'd be Ringo. You could come out of my well, come out of my well. <laughs> oh my! <God. laughs> oh, what character would I play? I'm trying to think. I just be, I just be there like a Liberace super fan, just. Like just the the most annoying type of a fan that you can get for a band, but like just like this guy, it's like I just really I'm at all his shows. I just really like his older stuff. 
you know, just kind of condemning other fans like these, just rolling my eyes at all the new fans. Yeah. I was there back in back way back when, yeah. you know, when he was playing the same exact thing. <laughs> Never changes. <laughs> He's like, I, mean, I was like, you know, this version of the boogie woogie is just, <laughs> he, he just, there's just not enough soul in it anymore. I mean, back when I used to see it in the late sixties, I mean, he just really put all his all into it, you know, just that guy, yeah. you know, wearing the Liberace, Liberace t-shirt, but you know, from the old days, like I'm not, yeah, not that hot topic shit people are buying now. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, requesting stuff from the audience, like, you know, shouting out, do after he does boogie woogie, do boogie woogie. Like, you know, you used to do it. <laughs> the other, you know, what other songs does he have? He got you. Hey, sir, you search me. They, they don't spend a hell of a lot of time on his catalog in this. They spent the appropriate amount of time. It ain't no Rocket Man or Bohemian Rhapsody. No, that, which makes me, yeah, I'm, which I'm glad. Mm-hmm. So you have been given the financials to start your own behind the candelabra business. Yeah, how are you going to put that hard-earned coin into escrow and make it rip? Well, I I just invest in hologram technology, and I'd be I'd project a phantom nun <laughs> on occasions like when people in the hospital are sick, or yeah. or you know just on any occasion, right? You could rent my machine, and it would project a phantom nun that would give you advice. Yeah, because in, in the movie, he he's he he justifies his Catholic faith. By him being sick and having kidney failure and this nun appearing into his room and making everything feel better and then discovering that there was no nun. He was getting sick from his suits, like some chemical in his suits to keep them clean. He was getting blood poisoning from it. He ended up in the hospital. Well, yeah, and he saw well, the suits, phantom nun. The suits kept eating watermelon. <laughs> so that's what I'd do. I'd, I'd have a, a phantom nun projecting business. That's pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so think about birthday parties. Yeah. You know, you know, Sister Agnes appears, right, and says whatever the fuck you want her to say. I don't yeah. care. Just give me the script, right? I'll get my actress to say it. I don't care. We don't have any rules. She can say anything. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like I will dip your dick in buttermilk and taste it. Perfect. Yeah, that is fine. Yeah. Anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Except for God bless you. Not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Off limits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I'd have. What I like about it. you? So what I would do is I would make these perfect replica candelabras, just like the one Liberace had on his piano. Mm-hmm. Perfect. A perfect mm-hmm. replica. And what yeah. I would do is I'd, they'd be in every shop, every every Target, every Walmart. It would be sure. done. Of course. Disney store licensed to fuck. And mm-hmm. they're in everybody's homes. Now, December 31st, 2026, Microchip inside those things goes off. Blast everybody with poison. Okay, so you're a terror. <laughs> is that what your business? Um, is? You're an a ent- I'm an entrepreneur. Okay, and I will blow people away. So the, we could get a, a throwing safe here. Blast everybody with poison, as in the band poison, <laughs> as in Brett Michaels, as in every rose has its thorn. No, something less lethal. Uh, Killing fluid. Oh, you're, you're like the Joker. <laughs> Fair enough. 
But man, I, I banked for like seven, seven to eight years. Banked big. Got a lot of can. Do you see candelabras? Do you have a candelabra in your house? I'm looking around. I'm looking around. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, all right. So look, you've been given the financing to do your own sequel to this movie. How would you do it? All right. So I got it. Liberace mm-hmm. is a super glittering ghost, right? Just haunting the shit out of stuff. He shows up in a house with a raging heart on and just kind of, you know, sashes around, rummages through people's stuff, just kind of, you know, moves around the room really kind of cool and shit. This is the sequel? It's a sequel. He's a ghost. Okay. He shows out, you know? He's looking for gems and jewels and stuff inside the house, rummaging. And, and But he's looking to make someone happy, too, you know, whether from the front or the back. He don't care. He's just thrilled. He's a ghost, He's but he's a sweetheart. So Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson show up, and they're here to combat the Liberace. Sure. Turns out they're impressed. Yeah. They hooked him up with a protector golem because they like him so much. And now he's stuck in one house with a protector golem, and he is just making that house so sweet and rocking. And oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a happy story. You, 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 it becomes a musical ghost in the house. You go in there and just feel good about yourself. There's, you know, and there's this gigantic meaty creature protecting him from any yeah. you know interlopers. It turns out it's a it's a spin-off from the conjuring as well, ties everything together, setting up uh, an Annabelle versus Liberace movie down the line, which I think is fantastic. I think I like this. Is there any young ghosts that float in? Oh yeah. Oh catch yeah. uh Liberace's ghostly eye. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and he'll get his hand up him. I uh, would make a, a kind of a side cool, right? It'd be a sequel, but it would take place during the events of this movie. And it's about a magician, a Vegas magician that has just fallen on hard times. His act is just uh, gone kaput. Like it's just, no one's coming to see him. You know, he is once popular. Now he can't catch a break. No audience, no interest, not interested. And he is, very upset with Liberace and Liberace's fame. He's very upset because his this is a magician known as the Candelabra. That was his name. And he was a magician that makes <laughs> candles disappear. You know? Candelabra Cadabra. He just, that was his whole game, right? But he can't even advertise as the Candelabra. Everybody just thinks that that's, that's, that's Liberace's thing, right? Yep. He tries to diversify. He tries to get, he tries to disappear other things. Disappear paintings, disappear carpet. Yep swatches you know things like that then just he just can't get it uh going and that's the end he that's the whole movie is just him being sad wow and then then he finds out like it's you ever see that movie with will ferrell Um, everything must go no it's like another movie where he finds out he's being written oh right 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 thompson yeah i know what you're talking about yeah so this stranger stranger than fiction right so this strange this guy the candelabra will find out in the movie that I am creating this idea for the movie microscope and that this whole terrible idea, this whole existence, this whole bad idea that goes nowhere is because I was free associating on a podcast cool. and it's just so meta. Oh, it's so meta. Yeah. And it just makes it so much better too. I'm glad I went down that road, <laughs> that route. Is he straight? No, oh. <laughs> not at all. Okay. <laughs> all right. So the film ends, the credits have passed us, but lo and behold, there's a stinker at the end. What little, what little treat at the end have they provided us? Oh, yeah. Dark room, mm-hmm. a light shines down a spotlight, and sitting in a chair is Holly Hunter. She goes, you didn't know this was a sequel to my movie, did you? And then she gets Adrian Brody on three-way call and says, your movie was also a sequel to this. And it turns out that behind the candelabra, the piano and the pianist are all interconnected. <laughs> 
and and we find out in real time when Adrian Brody finds out. <laughs> then it cuts to Liberace's grave, and he's just fucked. It's a little teaser, yeah. Oh, there's a scene in this that's great we didn't mention when Matt Damon is going off the rail, like he's just going nuts to Nikki Katz or Nick, you know, and he Nikki Cat, and he's just complaining, complaining he's high on drugs and just saying how. And Nick has like, don't call him, man. Don't. Yeah, he's giving, trying to give him advice. You know, you're just forget about it. And he, Matt Davis talking to himself, talking, and then he ends up calling him, screaming at Liberace anyway. <laughs> Sauber pulls away, and they're just both just out of their minds on drugs, just rocking back and forth. Did you remember that scene? Mm-hmm. There's no music. They're just, <laughs> they're just rocking back and forth. Um, and so I just cut back to that, <laughs> my deleted scene. You know, you know how they do that. Like you're a lot of times they'll they'll cut back in the movie to your favorite movie moment in the film the one the the, the crowd pleasing yep. pleasing moment yep. right hangover that's like the hangover movie um and i know i would have them i would have that uh them rocking back and forth no music no music and all of a sudden you hear hot and soul dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you got it all you know, that's it. <laughs> huey you flush the bowl I, I, it's going to become a sensation now that everybody knows about it. All right, so you are floating in the middle of the sea, gathering mm-hmm. debris from all these films on your own island. What do you take from behind the candelabra to finish it? There's only one thing to take. Let's hear it. There's a movie. There's a thing that's said in the movie that we don't see, but it's said. It's said into exist- existence. Paul Reiser is, uh, you know, representing Scott Thorson in the divorce proceedings. Really, is what's happening. He's going to get paid out to. You know, he's getting a separation from Liberace. And I think Liberace's lawyer is played by Seth Meyers' brother. Okay. But they're going through a lot of things that he was gifted. And one of the things he was gifted was, he says, they say, did did you give a, wa- a water buffalo head mounted to Scott <laughs> Thorson? <laughs> you know, he says, they, they, they say that line or something similar. And um, Liberace says, yes, I did. And that's what I would take. I would take the mounted water buffalo head to my island. Even though we don't see it, we hear it. Is that is that qualify? Does it qualify? Fuck yeah, it does. I would do that and maybe put some party hats on it, make it a little festive. That's what I take. So you go into either that or Paul Reiser. I take one of the two. Yeah. So like uh, I've got this giant, beautiful shipping container arrives on my island, mm-hmm. um, and I'm cracking my knuckles. That's uh, you know, it's got the welcome carpet laid out. Sure. Uh, I have a uh, a blowtorch just for this occasion. And I actually don't even un- open the door of the shipping container. I actually blowtorch the walls so that they fall down in unison to reveal what I've brought to the island. Oh, wow. It goes off without a hitch. I don't have anybody there to watch with me, but I, I feel it. Mm-hmm. Glistening in the sunlight, Liberace's deathbed. <laughs> wow. Yeah, still like a little indentation where he mm-hmm. yoded his way out of this world. That's kind of Yoda at the end. Yeah. Yoda also uh, famously on a watermelon diet. <laughs> That's how he didn't get so big eating food of this kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also closeted Yoda. Was he? Yeah. Yaddle was a man. Were they together? I don't think so. Yaddle, I think, well, has I mean, been scratched from Star Wars lore at this point. But Baby Yoda hasn't. Right. Is, it, is Baby Yoda, is that, is that a seed from the OG? <laughs> Is that what we're led to believe? Is that Yoda's son? I'm typing something that I'm sure is typed a lot onto uh, on, onto Google is Yaddle whereabouts. <laughs> Did Yaddle get killed? Okay, so she's a female Jedi. Doesn't say what happened to her body. I'm going to type this Grogu, Yoda's son. That's what I'm going to type. And I know it's going to fill in. 
Oh, there's other Yoda characters in, in Star Wars cartoons. I don't even know. Uh, her nickname is The One Below. <laughs> that means some shit. The One Below. I'm just trying to think if Yoda, if uh, Grogu is Yoda's son, that means Yoda was raking it in. Not necessarily living a monas, uh, you know, life as a monk. Monastic. Monastic. I almost said monastic, which is not a word, but monastic. So that means he was kicking it out, much like Liberace in this film. <laughs> He's looking to plant it anywhere, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then got one off, so to speak. Snuck one past the past the you know quarterback, right? Right, or the goalie in this case. The do back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm just thinking of Yoda as a young man. You know, putting on some cologne, going out into the night, trying to get um get some I don't know, someone to hop on his nether regions. Yeah, his gimmer stick. Wonder what his pickup lines would be. You know, you get to think about it, and it all be twisted up, and maybe the ladies he's hitting on don't really understand because he's he's got that mixed up speak. Right. But he also has the, oh, he, he also has the force. Yeah. Well, he's not gonna, he's gonna pull that stuff. He's a gentleman. Fingering you from across the room, I am. Nick Yoda's a gentleman. Yeah, but vicious in the sack. Best man at Mace Windu's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Lost the ring I have. <laughs> hey, what, what did you take? Liberace's deathbed? Uh-huh. So is, did he die in the hospital, though? Uh, I'm just telling you, he died in a bed. That's true. Yeah. He came alive in a bed too, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Actually, this will be a this will be a short one, which makes me very happy. Yeah. You so could, is Yoda. <laughs> finally get to use the purple lightsaber. 